Welcome to the Pactum. I'm Pat Abendroth, and today we're talking about a heresy known as plagiarism. Plagiarism is a terrible heresy. Plagiarism. It is when you take someone else's work and claim it as your own. I'm joined today by Mike Grimes. Mike, why are you interrupting me regarding the heresy known as plagiarism? Plagiarism. Well, uh, the notes I have in front of me say Pelagianism. Oh, <laughs> plagiarism. Oh, oh my goodness. Uh, you know what? That's what I get for not wearing my glasses. That is. You Where know, are your glasses? You Are you rocking the contacts? I'm rocking the contacts. And so I thought Pelagianism was plagiarism. plagiarism. <laughs> you know, they look kind of similar. They do. They're I, both bad. Okay. So they're both bad. Which one do you think is worse? Plagiarism or Pelagianism? I'll go Pelagianism for 500, Alex. <laughs> that works because, right, pla- plagiarism is bad, yep. um, but you can be forgiven. I mean, in our country, you can right, still become but- the president. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> so it's bad. You might get kicked out of college, but you can uh, still be the most powerful person yeah. in the whole world. Pelagianism here, we're talking of eternal matters. This That's a, that's of eternal significance here. This is important. <laughs> you could be damned for the heresy of Pelagianism. So Ooh, for sure boy. it's worse. On the pactum, we're not recommending either no, one no, 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 or no. either one. No, no recommendations. But here. today, Pelagianism is a heresy, and so we're going to go after that. We're doing a series called Help from the heretics help from the heretics uh, yep. did you see somebody posted a pic of harry and the heretics you know i i think it would be kind of a worthy shirt at least I, as a one-off i think we yeah and i saw today that sticker mule has a deal 9.99 for a shirt so well we, we hey might, we, we might need to, to make it. us a shirt right <laughs> <laughs> so pelagianism actually is a bad heresy it's yep. not one to be laughed at but it's super popular i would call it kind of the uh, the american go-to religion mm. uh, if not Maybe in the world, I don't know. I, I don't live in the world. I live in the Pactumverse and the United States. <laughs> but we have lots of listeners elsewhere, and we maybe do. they would chime in. It seems to be kind of a universal kind of religion. If you don't know better, you're probably a Pelagian, Yeah. Uh, even if you don't know it. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, we've got, I think, like five or so questions as per our usual agreement on usual. the Pactum. Yes. Um, anything else? Anything happened in the news? Anything else you want to talk about before we talk about I'm just trying to think Pelagianism. of something fun and exciting. I, I've got nothing. I, okay. I, hey, you know, I was encouraged this weekend. I had a family member come up to me and say, hey, I've been listening to the Pactum. I love it. And they start talking about Judaizers, and oh, it, it was great. Dropping knowledge. Yeah. And they said they really love the Evangelicitch. The snow globe didn't come up. I was a little disappointed. <laughs> I thought, you know, they're going to want to ask for the secret insider. But, hey, it's just encouraging to know people are listening. They're encouraged. And so we're thankful for all of our Pactum Verse listeners for listening and being a part. Absolutely. Yeah. The Pactum is a thing and uh, growing with mo- growing momentum, so we're grateful for that. Yeah. Sometimes we have Pactum mystery gifts, though. Yes. So in the news, I guess for me, I have in my hot little hands here, before we move on to talk mm-hmm. about Pelagianism. <laughs> you had to think about I had to, th- <laughs> I had to think about it. So um, I have a bag of beans, um, a bag es- of espresso beans. beans from Belize. Ooh. It says Belize Gourmet Coffee, and it was on my desk. So someone who has the keys to the kingdom huh. um, put it there. Maybe Somebody's somebody some security keys. let them in or something. But I, I want to try it. I haven't tried it yet. It's in a green bag. Hmm. hmm. Looking forward to it. From Belize. You know what Belize makes me think of? You've been there before, haven't you? Uh, I've been to Bolivia. Oh. Not Belize. Okay. But Belize makes like, me think of the song... You ready for this? Uh oh. Stephen Curse Chapman? No, 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 no. The song, the <laughs> the theme song for Where in the World is Carmen San Diego? Anybody? 
Is any maybe I'm too young and none of you guys know about this. No idea. Okay, the group Rock Rockapella sang the song for the theme song to Where in the World is Carmen San Diego San Diego. <laughs> and they used to say she's a sticky fingered felcher from Berlin down to Belize. There you go. Okay. You heard it here on the Pactum. Let's close out the show today. Thank you for listening. <laughs> and you can reach us on Twitter and Instagram. And speaking of coffee, the connection here, Rockapella did a commercial for Folgers. There you go. Okay. Oh. Okay. All right. Well, this Pelagianism. Is, there you have it. <laughs> okay. So we are going to talk about what Pelagianism, Pelagianism is, yes. who opposed Pelagianism. Well, let's do a little preview here today. So then we're going to talk about why it's unbiblical or how it's unbiblical. Then we are next on the list. Where can we find Pelagianism today? And we're going to talk about semi-Pelagianism. Semi. Mm. So we do have five of these. So let's go ahead and jump in. My crimes. I'm telling you, nobody's going to guess what the first question is. The first question is, what is Pelagianism? Let's say it is a heresy named after a British man, a British, sometimes people call him a monk, a British monk named Mm. Pelagius. Pelagius. I think he starts in Britain and then he eventually goes to Africa, if I recall. He eventually goes to Jerusalem and then he gets annexed. That's not the word. He gets shunned. He uh, Uh, He gets kicked out of Jerusalem. Okay. And then we don't know. He rides off into the sunset as a heretic banished for the rest of his life. <laughs> <laughs> I think if I, when I think Pelagianism and I, I like to boil it down, I think the teaching that says people are basically good. Yeah. So if you want to cut through it all, people are basically good. It's good to be good. People are basically good. So I think that's what Pelagianism is actually about. But maybe you want to give us a more technical definition. Yeah, uh, Michael Horton says in his helpful book, The Christian Faith, he says Pelagianism is a school of thought named after Pelagius and promulgated. (laughs) I wasn't ready for that one. And promulgated (laughs) by Julian of Eclanum. They taught that the human will was capable of spiritual good without the aid of God's grace and that sinless perfection was possible in this life. Augustine and Jerome were chief critics of Pelagianism, and it was condemned by church councils in 418 and 431. That's already answering further questions. I say that just went—we could skip half of the episode now, right? right? That's right. Okay, so in those terms, that's a helpful resource. More and more, I actually look—I have a Kindle version, but just to jump to the back as far as all of the nice little definitions in the back. Yeah, that's helpful. It's really helpful. So, uh, Also, maybe we can just highlight a few bullet points. At least, let's do a couple bullet points. What is Pelagianism? Well, let's start with the fall of Adam. And basically, according to Pelagianism, uh, the fall did not bring condemnation to the entire human race. Hmm. Uh, The fall did happen, uh, but it was for him. Uh, Yes, it affected the world. You could be a Pelagian and say that. But it doesn't lead to universal condemnation. Uh, No real fall, we would say, as we know it Hmm. uh, in the world of Reformed theology and the world of the Pactum verse. So not the kind of fall we would talk about, not the kind of... Uh, effects on the entire human race that we would talk about. So that's very Pelagian. Pelagian. So it'd be Pelagian, just to make sure I understand that everybody's born in the same position Adam is born in, basically? Okay, I th- I think that's true. That's where I would go. Okay. My head is kind of spinning and swimming with... I've been listening to people who are pro-Pelagian. 
<laughs> and they want to say, well, that's not true because people are born into a fallen world where there is oh, sin. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. But I think you're on to the spirit of it. So if, I, if I'm confused and if I just start promoting Pelagianism, <laughs> it's because I've been listening to too, too many, many pro-Pelagius. Just, you know, trying to listen to the other side. Yep. yep. I, I'm, I'm a very empathetic person. Good for you. Uh, I want to be informed. Okay, so <laughs> next feature. Yeah. Uh, the next feature would be that, that God doesn't require of people what they're not capable of doing. Mm. I think that's very Pelagian. Yeah. So they're going to find commands in the Bible and say, well, you know, Jesus says in Matthew five forty eight, you must be perfect. And mm. so how could God require perfection if you don't actually have to be perfect? Yeah. Which is such an interesting observation because we, as those who would affirm classic covenant theology, would say, that's right, you do have to be you perfect. Be, yeah. And God does require it. Except you're in Adam. Now we're getting into the condemnation. So you need a last Adam whose name is Jesus. Now we're just talking about good stuff. Yes. Not Pelagianism. Not Pelagianism. So a lot of these Pelagian promoters and defenders that I've listened to uh, really don't like, they, they say Pelagian was, Pelagius, excuse me, was misrepresented. Uh, we mess, they say, would, they would say that oftentimes books, resources, dictionaries, and Augustine, who we're going to get to, mm-hmm. misrepresents Pelagius. And I would say, okay, just for the sake of argument, we're going to grant that to you. Hmm. I, not, not that we actually are, but right, just for yeah. the sake of argument, even if we grant that to you, there is a thing called Pelagianism. Yes. Yeah. So let's just pretend on the Pactum. Okay. It's the Pactum pretend moment. <laughs> uh, let me put on my cardigan sweater. <laughs> So in my slippers, slippers. (laughs) so even if we pretend that Augustine wasn't a good guy and he wasn't, didn't have integrity and Pelagius was awesome, wonderful, floated six inches above the ground. Okay. Grant that for sake of argument, there is still this thing called Pelagianism. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is still a heresy that says people are inherently good, basically good. And they're not worthy of condemnation because of the fall of Adam as the representative. Uh, That's still a heresy. So maybe we can call it, I don't know, plagiarism. (laughs) (laughs) We can call it something else, but the historic label, and maybe it's mean-spirited to Pelagius, who was perfect, and Augustine, who was terrible, but I'm being sarcastic. (laughs) There is a thing called Pelagianism, and it's bad, and it's unbiblical, and it's heretical. And so we're just going to roll with it. We're going to roll with it. Yeah, but I wanted to say that because maybe you're researching, maybe you're looking into things and wanting to hear both sides, and uh, I just wanted to represent our side the right way because... We're the pactum. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Well, we're going to keep rolling on in this episode, and we've talked about what is Pelagianism, and now who opposed Pelagius? We've already mentioned this, but to start with, Augustine opposed and Pelagius, we, and we do say Augustine on the pactum because we are we've had we ha, we have had the special epigenosis, epigenosis, the special enlightenment knowledge. Um, Augustine is what people say in my theological education, if they have letters behind their name and they're teaching theology, mm-hmm. they say Augustine. If they don't, or if they're talking about Florida, St. Augustine, they say Augustine. Yep. So I'll say Augustine. Augustine at those points. But we say Augustine. One, one pro-Pelagian guy I was listening to, he made up like a third way. Oh, really? First he said Augustine, then he said Augustine, then he said Augustine. Augustine. <laughs> I was ready to tap out at that point in time. So, you know, everybody's an expert if they have a video camera and a microphone and a podcast. There you go. But on the pactum, Augustine. we say Augustine. Yes. So let's say Augustine. And Augustine was definitely one who opposed plagiarism. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and Pelagius. And Pelagius. Oh, uh, my. Know. Oh, my. R.C. Sproul. And I quote the good doctor. The operative word in Augustine's view is that regenerating grace is monergistic. Hmm. It is the work of God alone. Yeah. So if you think in terms of monergism, the one working God saves from beginning to end, from regeneration to glorification, it has to be something that God does. It's not something we do to cooperate with God. That would be very Augustinian. Um, Augustine, Augustinian theology is going to believe in things like what we would call total depravity. Right. Yeah. You can see our episode called questioning Calvinism. Mm -hmm. When you read Calvin's institutes, he's basically channeling Augustine for most things, for many things. Anyway, Augustine was against Pelagius. Pelagius was against Augustine. I don't think we need to try to psychoanalyze uh, these guys. No. Uh, They both were interesting people, but I've listened to too much psychotherapy, psychotherapy. It's what they want to give me. Ramones, Mike, Ramones. Ramones, Ramones, All things come back to the Ramones. (laughs) So let's not do that. We're we're looking at their theology, not what what they're... What their daddy wounds were. Right, yeah. That's not what we're talking about here. Yeah. So who's going to oppose him? The, the arch rival is Augustine. Augustine, yeah. And then if we want to keep moving, there are other people who would uh, rival Pelagian. Yeah, the church has. Uh, Sproul, you mentioned him a moment ago, says the doctrines of Pelagius were condemned by the church in 418 at a synod in Carthage. Okay, so, yeah. so condemned. Th- there was more than one time that it happened, but he yeah. mentions that one in an article that... It says it takes four minutes to read. I kind of like it when articles tell you how fast they are. Anything above a minute, I'm going on. Okay. (laughs) So we will link to that in our snow globe notes. Yeah. uh, In our snow notes. Snow. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Always making stuff up on the fact. Oh, I like that. So we will link to that helpful article from Table Talk, Legionnaire's Table Talk. Uh, Again, four minutes. You can get it done. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. What was it called? And it's called called The Battle for Grace Alone. Yep, The Battle for Grace Alone. Yep, so we'll quote that a couple times, and we will link to it. So Augustine is against Pelagianism and Pelagius. The church, uh, universal, if you will, against Pelagius and Pelagianism. I would also add to this, and maybe this is something our listeners wouldn't normally think of, but if you think of Roman Catholicism, Hmm. Uh, we're distinguishing Roman Catholicism from the church, by the way. Yeah. But if you fast forward and think of Roman Catholicism, even as we know it today, I have in my hot little hand the catechism of the Catholic Church. Um, short and stout, it is. It is. <laughs> but it is very much decidedly anti-Pelagian. Mm-hmm. Sometimes Protestants aren't aware that Roman Catholicism officially is not Pelagian. It does. They, they do not teach salvation by works, rawly speaking. Sure. It's grace and works. It's faith and works. So, uh, and they actually speak out against it. This is from the catechism, the catechism, the catechism. (laughs) This is from the catechism of the Catholic church. It says that, Church's teaching on the transmission of original sin was articulated more precisely in the 5th century, especially under the impulse of St. Augustine's reflections against Pelagianism. So keep that in mind. Um, they, mm. When you read the Catechism, there are some great things in there, things that are right, and you say, that that's super good. That's, that's anti-Pelagian, uh, and it's important that you know that lest you think when you, lest you think somehow it's all works and then you read the catechism, you're like, oh, the Catholics are right. They actually aren't right, right um, yeah. but they are right in opposing Pelagian. Pelagian. I, that quote goes on to say, 
And in the 16th century, this is from the catechism, in opposition to the Protestant Reformation. So um, Rome is not Pelagian. Uh, Protestants aren't Pelagian. We'll talk about what Rome is a little bit later when we talk about Pelagius' cousin. Uh, But for now, uh, let's at least acknowledge they were against Pelagius. The reformers were against Pelagius also uh, because neither group says people are inherently good. Right. Uh, both groups say there is worthy condemnation, at least on one one level or another. Yes. Okay. So lest we don't mention the Bible and talk about some passages here on this lest episode. Lest we don't. Lest we don't. How is Pelagianism unbiblical? Oh, on various fronts for various yes. reasons, it is unbiblical. Let's start with the fact that Pelagianism is unbiblical because of its explanation of the fall, the fall and right. its effects. Yeah. Romans 5.18, therefore, as one trespass, obviously Adam's, led to condemnation for all men. Notice the universality of it, and it's meant to be there. So one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. Right. We might be tempted to say universality there, but in context, it's all those Christ represents right. and who would be the elect, elect. and yeah. which would not be very very friendly to Pelagianism either, <laughs> right, right. but it's not really what we're emphasizing. Right, so yeah. effects of the fall, condemnation, it's an important word. It's an important reality as dastardly as it is. Now the entire human race, because of the actions of the one man, Adam, uh, are guilty and under the just condemnation of God. Right. Yep. So impossible to do a do over. Yes, um, yeah. because we're united to Adam as our representative. Right. Also, another one, another text that would relate to the effects of the fall, as far as the devastating, awful effects of the fall that that would not jive with Pelagianism would be Ephesians two uh, one through three, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins. Mike's life verse. <laughs> You were Everyone's life first, <laughs> right? Everyone. Yeah. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Ooh, yep. Inclusive there. It's very inclusive, and it's important, right? We're all dead like the rest of mankind, so it's not just for the super bad people. It's for everybody and uh, children of wrath. Mm. So it's not a good look, and... You know, it's curious to hear Pelagian kinds of people try to explain that. Yeah. And we would say, we would agree with you, it's not literal death, it's spiritual death. But notice, right. what do dead people do? Nothing. They, they don't do anything. Right. I think it was my brother, Mike, uh, from No Compromise Radio, who used to take his preaching class across the road to the cemetery mm. mm-hmm. uh, and, and get them to preach to the dead people. <laughs> You can call them forth, and unless you're Jesus, yep. uh, Lazarus is not going to rise. Not so it's a good uh, word picture when you're preaching to spiritually dead people. Yeah, they're not going to become alive unless God works, uh, which we'll get to as we think in terms of the fact that okay, it's unbiblical because of its view of the effects of the fall. Right. But Pelagianism is also unbiblical when it comes to uh, it's a synergistic view of salvation. It's it's grace, faith 
plus, plus. what you do plus works. Right. And we would say, oh no, biblically speaking, whether you're speaking as an Augustinian mm-hmm. uh, or if you want to use another label, a Calvinist or somebody who just believes the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, a reformed Christian, it would be a monergistic view, a right. one working monergistic work of God and salvation. That's also in Ephesians chapter two. It's so good to read Ephesians two, one to three, and then keep reading right. chapter two, verses four and five. Right. Ephesians two, four, five says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Monergism, monergistic. Yes. God makes us alive while we're dead. And so that, that's not very Pelagian friendly, uh, but it is friendly when you think about the gospel and we think in terms of salvation is by grace alone, through mm-hmm. faith alone, because of the finished work of Christ alone. It's the work of God alone. Yeah. So he does it all. Uh, that would be a more biblical perspective. It's maybe counterintuitive to people who think they're good mm-hmm. uh, by nature and that the uh, effects of Adam's fall uh, did not lead to co- universal condemnation. Right. So we've got to keep this in mind. Maybe one other uh, perspective here, and we can move on real quickly, uh, but Pelagianism is going to reject unconditional election, hmm. uh, so a label that we would, we would use and we used in our episode called Questioning Calvinism. Right. So we don't need to get into that, but it would be in Ephesians chapter 1, as well as other texts, you're dead in trespasses and sins. God predestines, not because we're good, but because of his good pleasure, reasons we don't even know, can't get our minds around beyond that. So that wouldn't be very, it is a biblical doctrine, in other words, but it's not very Pelagian friendly. Right. They've got to get around it somehow. Yep. Shall we progress on to the next one? Yeah. So, okay, we've got a understanding here of Pelagianism, but where can we find Pelagianism today? Is it alive and well? Where do we see it? Ooh, just go to, at least in America, maybe it's in other places, I'm not sure, but in America, how many funerals do you attend? Yeah. Uh, Funeral services, um, what else do we call them? Memorial service? Memorial services, yeah. Celebration of life. Yeah, there, there you go. And I, I, I don't want to say nine times nine times out of ten, but so many times it's Uncle Fester was a good person, yeah. and therefore we know he's in heaven. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's Pelagianism. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought we could use Uncle Fester because I doubt any Pactum listeners have an uncle named Fester. I, I doubt it. If you do have an uncle named Fester, we, we'll, we'll send you a free book written by Augustine. Yeah. How about that? There you go. So just let us know. know. You have to tell the truth. You can't plagiarize (laughs) regarding plagiarism, (laughs) regarding Pelagianism. You know what Uncle Fester is from? Uh, It's, uh, is it Adam's family? Do, 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 do. Yeah. Yeah. Do, 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 do. I knew it. Do, 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 do. They're kooky and they're wooky. I don't know. I don't know the words. I didn't really watch Adam's Family growing up. I, I watched Munsters. Munsters, yeah. Munsters a little bit more lowbrow, I think. Yeah, yeah. I watched Munsters on TV Land because they did reruns okay. when I was younger. <laughs> I loved the Munsters, but not so much, uh, what's it called again? Adam's Family. Adam's Family. So, uh, all right. Which, okay, isn't that in Harry and the Hendersons? I have no idea. Okay, I think they use part of that. Anyway, sorry. A lot of crossover here. I tell you. A lot of crossover. But it's almost sickening as a Christian when you listen and you hear it's just like on and on and on about, and it's so-and-so was a good person, and she was a good person, he was a good person, we know they're in heaven now. I mean, it's one thing from a Christian worldview to say, you know, isn't it amazing how God used Sally or Harry Mm. or... 
fester <laughs> to to do these good things and we mean lowercase g good sure. relative good but yeah. it's not heaven earning worthy right right it is just bizarro land so many times we can also look beyond memorial services funerals we could see it in pop culture uh, I, I wrote down in my notes that it's in movies. Sometimes movies are more honest. They're more brutally honest sure, about, yeah. about bad people. Right. They're gritty and dirty. But a, a lot of times, uh, cartoons, a lot of times it's the good people and their spirit goes into the nether spirit goodness yeah, land. Yeah. Uh, all good dogs go to heaven. Yep. <laughs> this morning in my class, someone said, oh, you guys recording today? And I said, we are. And, what are you guys talking about? And I said, plagiarism. No, I said, Pelagianism. <laughs> uh, you know, people are good and all this. And so they introduced me to a country song called Most People Are Good. Have you heard it? Uh, I don't know that I have. I'm not a country music person. I like country. Okay. I'm, I'm going to so, say it again. I like country music. Ooh, Let it be known. Step into it. But I don't. I, bro country. Who's it by? Is it? Uh, Luke Bryan. Lo, Luke Bryan. Luke I'm, Bryan. I'm not a big Luke Bryan fan. I listened to it. But it was interesting how it was religious. He talked about the streets of gold or something like that. Oh. So, and he was mixing and melding all kinds of things. You know, love whoever you want to love and don't judge. But it was most people are good. Huh. There you have I it. I don't know that one. I thought, I see this on the notes. I thought, man, Pat's been listening to country. But I think if you if you play it backward, oh, it's probably, it's August, those, it's probably huh? Augustinian. I bet it is. Roll tape backwards. <laughs> so we're going to do back masking, <laughs> back masking the Luke Bryan song, and it'll say Calvinistic kinds of things. That's funny. But it's definitely in the pop culture. Um, I couldn't think of any like formal theologians, but I guess, I mean, I try to read broadly, but I don't read in that realm, I guess. Yeah. Um, off the top of my head, formal theologians, unless they're like Unitarian Universalists hmm. or super duper theological leftists, yeah. maybe they would be. And right. They wouldn't believe in depravity and things like that on any level. Yeah. But I wasn't sure. But lots of re- religious leaders, I would say, sound Pelagian. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, big time. Joel Olstein sounds Pelagian a lot of the time. Sure. Maybe, yeah. maybe your grandparents. Favorite television person, Robert Schuller, definitely very Pelagius mm. in his sermons and his motivational speeches. <laughs> <laughs> but how about this? I'm going to push it a little bit and say sometimes I think evangelical preachers sound like they're Pelagian unless they're on purpose talking about the gospel. Hmm. So Just assuming people are good. They assume and, the gospel yeah, yeah, yeah. And, the, and they're doing the Bible with timeless truths yeah. and principles. Sure. And if you just do this, this, and this, it's going to work out for you. I think that's assuming, well, it's a, I don't know what you want to call it. It's a practical, functional Pelagianism. Sure, yeah. So I think pastors who listen, keep that in mind. If someone's listening to you and they know what Pelagianism is, <laughs> yeah. please don't be don't caught we- dead uh, looking or sounding like a Pelagian. All right. But I think I could do it pretty easily sure, if yeah. I weren't interpreting the Bible like a Christian from a Christ-centered perspective, redemptive historically. And uh, good, good for us to keep in mind. That brings up the next question. Yes. Does it not? It does bring up the next question, and that is... This is the final question. This is. This is the final question here on Pelagianism. Who was Pelagius's cousin? Pelagius's Who was cousin. his cousin? I tried to be funny with it in posing <laughs> the question. It's not that funny. Yeah. But and I looked for the RC Sproul clip and I couldn't find it. But there's a oh, clip really? out there somewhere. I've heard RC do it before. Yeah, where he sets you all up and talks about Pelagius's cousin Semi. Yeah, it's kind of funny, but I couldn't <laughs> find it. And we're not that funny on a Pactum. We try. Yeah, we uh, 
We try. Yeah. So it's cousin semi, semi Pelagianism. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So the idea is that humanity has fallen. Right. Um, and humanity, it, that does affect everyone. Maybe there even is condemnation that everyone deserves, but you can get out of it, hmm. not by the but God making us alive, but by cooperating with God. So it's salvation by grace through faith in Christ, but without the sola. Hmm. without the Protestant sola. So Roman Catholicism would be semi-Pelagian, not raw white knuckle Pelagianism, which we're glad for, but it's still Pelagian, which is still a problem. Uh, I think Arminianism oftentimes, maybe it's not as high handed because it's not damning justification by grace alone through faith alone, uh, but it still smacks of semi-Pelagian because it's somehow you and God cooperating, even though thankfully Arminians, um, would say it's it's grace alone, right? But sometimes they sound kind of semi-Pelagian, yeah, kind of semi. Okay, Michael Horton says semi-Pelagianism is a term coined in the 16th century for the teaching that human beings are affected by sin, but can still choose the good. Mm. And in the common formulation of the late medieval period, God will not deny His grace to those who do what lies within them. Salvation is attained by human cooperation with divine grace. So that's a bad look. So what it ends up being is like justification by faith and works. Yeah. Justification by faithfulness. It is the condemnation that we read about in the New Testament. Yep. Semi-Pelagian is condemned, anathematized right. in what book of the Bible? Galatians. Oh, Alex Trebek comes through for 500. <laughs> yeah. Galatians. We, we need to know in the book of Galatians, uh, Pactum listeners, we have the condemnation, not of Pelagianism, right. even though it's worthy of condemnation. Yep. But in Galatians, it, those, those folks, from everything we would get and read there, they're semi-Pelagian. Yep. It's grace plus what you do. It's faith plus what you do. Right. And Paul says, if anybody brings that to you, again, chapter one, verses eight and nine, let them be anathema. And we need to keep this in mind because now this, this is why we would say that Roman Catholicism is not another denomination. We would say it is actually a different religion because it is semi-Pelagian and they damn us because we say faith alone, Christ alone. Right. And we damn them because they say faith plus what you do. Right. Uh, We can't both be right. Uh, I have friends who are Roman Catholic. I love my friends who are Roman Catholic, but we can't both be right on the gospel. Right. And we are going to side with the Protestant Reformation and say, and we would say the Bible, uh, we would say, you know what? It's got to be monergistic. It has to be God saving and God alone, not grace plus, not faith plus, not Christ plus. It's all of grace. This is why at the Protestant Reformation, or following it at least, we would say sola, the sola, sola fide, faith alone in the finished work of Christ alone, grace alone. Because of texts, because of texts like Romans 4, 5, that God justifies the ungodly. Yeah. So you're justified by faith, by trusting in Christ, not once you're godly or partially godly or you've done enough. It's the ungodly are justified, and it's by faith in Christ, and it's counted to us as righteousness. So Pelagianism is serious, uh, but semi-Pelagianism is actually also very, very serious. We need to take it seriously. Other groups, maybe other than Roman Catholicism, oh, maybe I should add, I know bad Roman Catholics meaning they don't believe what their church officially teaches. Oh, sure, yeah. Who would affirm sola fide. And I'm thankful for that. Yeah, yeah, but I, yeah. And I tell them, hey, you know what? You're a bad Roman Catholic. You're bad Roman Catholic. And I'm thankful for that. <laughs> yeah. But officially on the books, um, 
they damn what we would say is the gospel. And we would say as Protestants, actually you're under the anathema right. and we've got to sort it out based on what the Bible says. So yeah. it's a serious matter. Who else would be semi-Pelagian in promoting what they promote when it comes to their doctrine of justification, salvation by faith and works, salvation by faithfulness? Any other people on your list, Mike? That... N.T. Wright, New Perspectives upon Paul. I thought, uh, I thought, uh, he, I thought he was a good author. No. No. <laughs> he writes some good things and he is he a ri- good writer. Yes. But it is a form of justification by, by faith, faith and works yeah. Yeah. under the anathema of Galatians 1. Right. But what's really fascinating about Wright is he, he almost makes it sound like what, what we're attacking as Protestants in the Reformed tradition is Pelagianism. Mm, yeah. But we're actually not. We acknowledge that what's being attacked, oh yes, Pelagianism was attacked a long time ago. Yeah. But at the Protestant, Re- Protestant Reformation, it's faith and works. It's faithfulness mm-hmm. under the condemnation of the Apostle Paul, uh, who is an apostle of Christ Jesus. So I would say that N.T. Wright is a false teacher, because yeah. of his doctrine of justification. Oh, it's, it's great that he affirms the bodily resurrection of Jesus. Um, but the reality is he's not playing on our side when it comes to the gospel. And we need to take that seriously. Yeah, yeah. There are other people who are people who promote right type, right as in with a W, right kinds of theology as in N.T. Wright's kind of theology. Yeah, yeah. And they teach that justification is by faith and works. Sometimes they'll say it's final, final. justification yeah. is by, by our works, initial justification by faith. That's very semi-Pelagian. Yeah. That's very N.T. Wright-ish. It's actually very Roman Catholicism-ish. Yeah. And so we would stand opposed to them. Maybe a helpful resource would be a book, if you want to do a deeper dive, would be J.V. Fesco, John Fesco's book on justification and sorting this out. Um, Protestants are not only opposed to Pelagianism, we are opposed to semi-Pelagianism right. because of what the Bible says about justification. Yes. Mike, what else do we need to do today on the episode? I think that wraps up our five questions on Pelagianism right? and Pelagianism. Thank you for setting me straight. I'll wear my glasses for the next episode. <laughs> We're so thankful for you listening and joining us here today on The Pactum. You can find us online. We're on Twitter, on Instagram. You can email us, connect at thepactum.org. You can give us a good review. You can tell your friends about The Pactum yes. because that would be very friendly. Friendly. Okay. <laughs> Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you here next time on The Pactum.